I'm Samantha Bove, and this is She's Too Much. This show is for the woman who's been told that she dreams too much, talks too much, cares too much, thinks too much, feels too much, needs too much. And I say it's about damn time that we are even more. Because that thing you think makes you too much is the exact thing the world needs more of. Hi, Amanda. Hello. Hi. Amanda Chase. She is the founder of Substance and the editor-in-chief. Substance is a platform for women. It's a digital platform, but also a print magazine, which I think is just so badass that you created a print magazine in 2023. The second I saw it, I was like, that is a bold thing to do. Like, that is definitely a too much moment. And I'm just so happy you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love being with you. Yeah, me too. So we have, as I was thinking about like, okay, like, what do I want to dive into? Because there's so many things. We have like freakishly aligned paths, especially in the last couple of years. So just mm-hmm. so everybody knows, Amanda and I met through a mutual client who mm-hmm. we were both helping her, you know, take her mad genius and distill it into a digital course. That's how I think you first got on my radar as someone who was like really amazing at helping people launch their digital courses. And then we both were going through breakups at the same time with long-term boyfriends who we thought we would marry and fiancés, (laughs) broke up with them, and then found ourselves in LA looking desperately, let me emphasize, (laughs) desperately, but with faith and with like, you know, we're going to be held. Yeah, looking desperately for apartments in Los Angeles and even looking together at one point. Yeah, it was really serendipitous how we both found each other and also how we ended up going through a lot of the same things. And now you're in New York. I stayed here in L.A. and Mm -hmm. uh, we were just chatting about how much our lives have changed in the past year. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that is definitely where our past started. Yeah. And that led to major pivots in both of our businesses. Mm -hmm. And I kind of would love to just start there. So like this year has been definitely one of the most transformational years in your life. And so I'm curious to just bring us back to even a year ago. Like, what were you doing? What business were you working on? What were you kind of known for, your focus? Mm -hmm. And then we'll come up to present date. Yeah. So last year, I was, I would consider myself the founder and creative strategist for my company called Ocean. It was spelled O-S-H-E-N. And I had helped holistic wellness practitioners and conscious entrepreneurs create digital content and create businesses and create offerings and services that help them grow and scale their business. So a lot of the times holistic wellness practitioners would come to Ocean when they reached full capacity with their one-on-one practice and they were seeking to kind of bundle their genius into different outlets into e-courses, workshops, retreats, some some in-person stuff. But I essentially helped them transmute all of those kind of concepts and ideas into consumable content for their clients. And I did that for seven years and I closed my studio in June of 2023. Yeah. Okay. So recently. Yes. 
Okay. So why the clothes? Yes. So last year, I 2022, I set my metric of success. It's what I do every year to kind of plan out my year in regards to my business and my personal life. And my metric of success in, that I set in November of 2021 for 2022 was joy. And it was kind of this experiment that I did for myself. And I said, what if I, instead of setting my metric of success for the year being revenue or goals or working with X client or having X amount of followers on Instagram, what if I made it a feeling? So I made it this feeling of joy and then things just, I started to act in accordance to how I wanted to feel. And slowly but surely, a lot of things shifted out of my life. And so in July of 2022, I had created so much space from this new metric of success that I had not only the financial means, but the physical ability to work on Substance Magazine, which was mm. a dream that I had really why I had gotten into content creation when I was wanting to be 15 years old. That's when it all started was to make a magazine. And so by this metric of success of joy, it opened up space to actually be able to invest in hiring a branding agency and starting to make this magazine in 2022 <laughs> and uh, print magazine. And then that's when the relationship ended. You know, what's interesting about the metric of success is it really sifts out things that are not in alignment with what Pretty it quick. is you're seeking to call in. Yeah. Yeah. So I initiated the magazine creation back in July, and then I set out to go to Byron and sit down with my design team in January of 2023 because I was just busy with client work. It was about the time that we were desperately looking for apartments and that took up all of my time. Literally, And uh, I went to Byron and I was able to make up whoever I, like nobody knew me basically. And I just was introducing myself as the founder and editor in chief, or sorry, at this time I was just the editor in chief of this magazine. And I loved it. I loved how I acted. I love how I felt. I love like the joy and excitement of being able to meet these creative artists and visionaries and like get their information and ask them about their business and take pictures and all content from this magazine. And it came so easy. It was effortless. I mean, I've been in content creation for magazines and digital content my whole life. So of course, it's going to be super seamless when it's from my own initiative. You know, I'm not like making things for other people. And when I got back from that three-week hiatus of making all the content for the magazine, I knew in my gut that making that ocean and making content for other people was not bringing me joy anymore. It was not in alignment. Mm -hmm. And the problem was, is that I came back and I had a lot of expenses. My apartment that I got was really expensive because I wanted an extra space to make the magazine. I a backyard space for my dog and just a lot of overhead and no idea how to stop doing that from a financial standpoint because at this time Substance was a print magazine that was draining my bank account as opposed to putting money into my account. So I really felt like I was at a bit of a loss in regards to knowing which way to go. And then that feeling of misalignment and led to depression 
it led, you know, it, depression is really a repressed emotion, repressed anything, repressed creativity, repressed anything. It kind of manifests as repression. And I was completely like, my nervous system was unable to move forward. And a lot of just negative things started to kind of come from that state of frequency or state of being. I was signing up for clients that I was probably misaligned with just to like get money coming in the door. I was, there. Yeah, yeah, just like saying yes to things that I wasn't like, I was just, a, my whole head was clouded with not knowing what to do. And I remember reaching this point in like May and my health was declining. My financials were like suffering my emotional state was suffering. And I just remember feeling like I'm throwing everything out. Like I was in a bad space that I didn't care if I was spending more than I was getting in. I didn't care about anything anymore. And it was a really scary place to be in. And my only life jacket or lifesaver, whatever you want to call it, the thing that you throw off the yeah. boat, was completely ending this thing that I was just done. I was just done with it. And I pulled the trigger on June 1st. I remember my boyfriend and I took a trip to Palm Springs and we had a really cold, wet winter and spring. Like it was freezing and it was not good. So June came around and we spent a couple days in Palm Springs. And I remember sending out a newsletter to my pretty vacant newsletter subscriber list, just being like, I am ending this studio and I'm starting something new and I don't know what it is yet, but I need help. Like I really needed help. I needed women to like, I needed ideas and suggestions and support and creative ideas. And I had a slew of like 15 women email me saying like, we're here, we got you. What do mm. you need? And Ugh. yeah, it was the beginning of making substance a brand as opposed to just a magazine mm. because I think one of the biggest problems about fully ocean and just like content creation was missing this huge component of what I really believe to be important which is creating a life of substance and a life of substance includes a component of career but it is not everything and and yeah. my old business was 100% focusing on the business yeah. but that just doesn't that's not the full expression of who I am and what I believe in so there is so much wisdom in <laughs> everything you just said okay I'm gonna work my way backwards <laughs> I think but essentially like that I love that you shared that you turned to your community that you built for strictly business and now you're you're doing a little minor pivot like career is a pillar like you said but it's not everything and you put your ego down mm -hmm. and you just said okay like how can this if I want to create a collective and I want to create a community how do I involve the community and mm -hmm. I think that's something that so many entrepreneurs miss because we're trying to be taken seriously mm -hmm. and I think that the old way of growing a business is like pretending like you know you have all the answers it's like this guru mentality that I think was very much um, a masculine driven approach to building a business like I've have the answers and that was leadership like I have the answers I will lead but I think new age conscious intentional also feminine leadership is leading from a place of us mm -hmm. of like I'm building this collective 
wouldn't I involve the community? And I always say that to clients. It's like, you know, you have all of these ideas, but involve your people, even if they're not going to maybe even necessarily be clients or be readers. Like, let's get the women in here. And you did that. And that's just so, so, so amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I realized that, you know, when I first launched my first business, Ocean, in 2000 and I first started off for freelance in 2016. I didn't officially make an LLC until 2018 when I needed to start having a business bank account and starting to hire employees and things like that. I didn't, uh, there was, A, I didn't know anything about building a business. And so building the community side of what I was doing was like something that I hadn't even considered and really even, to be quite honest, seen. Mm modeled or mirrored in other businesses that I worked for. So it was really interesting to go through that experience of building a service-based business, but not building the community side of it because mm. I didn't understand that like as a service provider, we don't really see like creatives, for example, like thinking about putting a community first before, mm. like it's an interesting, like, if you think about a product, right, like a magazine or a lip gloss, you know that people are going to buy that lip gloss or buy that magazine for a certain thing. Yeah. I feel like services are a little bit different because it's not a tangible thing. Yeah, and it's not always a tangible outcome. And it's not. Because you're working yeah. with a person and whatever service you're providing is going to land completely different person to person, which is very difficult yeah. when you're doing content because I can give one client the same strategy that I give another client. And because of the essence of who they are, it hits totally different. One pops off and one is, you know, cricket. So yeah. it's it's a unique stitch, the service provider life. It is. And, and there have been that I've seen in the past couple of years through the rise of social media and stuff mm -hmm. of women that have done it incredibly well. And I am impressed by their ability to do that as being service providers and scaling in an appropriate way. But looking back and seeing what Ocean's lessons were for me was just about, I'm glad I learned how to really build a strong foundation for a business to kind of grow from. from. And that's, I think, what I've always wanted to understand. And so I'm grateful for Ocean to have been that container for me to learn those mm. fundamental skills that are going to be packaged in substance, but they just are not the full focus yeah. of it. So I'm grateful for that. Totally. Um, Do you feel like in closing Ocean that the wisdom that you needed from that experience was tapped out? Like, tell me how you knew it was done, because I think a lot yeah. of people struggle with that. And I've were again very similar paths. I had a social media marketing agency, ran people social for years, and there was just a point where I'm like, I am not growing in this. There's no more wisdom left for me in this. Where's the wisdom? And so tell me, like, how did you know inside mm -hmm. of you, like, this really, it's it's got to come to a close? Yeah, I think I those past couple months, like basically February when I got back from Byron until June. I really did try to hold on to it. I tried to, that's why I said yes to the clients that were still asking me to do work. Cause I was like, okay, well maybe this, maybe the solution is in this client or maybe it's mm -hmm. this type of project or, and so, 
you know, it really was like, yes, to make sure that I had a roof over my head, but it was also to be like, well, maybe this is the, this will save and revitalize my passion for the mm. business, revitalize the business in general, like be the thing. And I think after I had a couple of, uh, I was just starting to pay attention to what the universe was kind of giving back to me and feeding back to me. I had random clients just ghosting, like never getting back to me about finishing up our contract. That happened a couple times. I had a project that failed. So I just felt like it was the universe was communicating back to me that I needed to stop that if I wasn't going to stop, the universe was like, I'm going to stop it for you. And that's really, unfortunately, how I tend to learn lessons is like through (laughs) (laughs) the really hard way. Um, At least it's clear. Yeah. At least it gets clear. Sometimes it's nicer because it's, it's honestly like, I always feel like it's my way of like kind of getting out of things. Like I'll just be like, like I'm thinking of like, boys right now it's so stupid but like I'm like just like can he just like just be like this isn't working it's like one of those things but I think what I see in you is that you're willing to listen Mm -hmm. because not a lot of people are willing to listen Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you just took what was coming to you or maybe what wasn't coming to you at face value and you said like okay I'm here I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna trust Yeah. yeah yeah it was it was that it was a lot of I wouldn't say I was really happy about it because there was a lot of elements that made me feel like I was failing in a way that, and I felt this way also. It's interesting. I like have been reflecting back and I worked in fashion for seven years and then I ran my business for seven years. And so I'm just like, huh, I have these seven year phases where I get into something and I outgrow it and I just, yeah, it's the second time that I've done that. I remember feeling the same way when I was leaving fashion. I felt the sense of, oh, I must be like, it feels like I'm quitting. Like I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve out of that or I thought I would be somewhere that I ended up not being. And Mm. so I've been sitting with a lot of that, a lot of probably ego components of what it's, what this has meant because I think so much of my driving passion in my 20s was proving my family and friends and colleagues wrong. Uh, I was always never really supported with my vision of wanting to make a magazine one day or being an editor-in-chief for a magazine. And so I really, it was kind of like this me against the world type of feeling Mm -hmm. that really was my driving force for majority of my career. And now that I've achieved things and I I worked with the dream clients and I've worked on the dream projects within Notion and also within my previous career line of working in fashion, I think what ends up happening and why I end up saying no is because I reach these goals or I reach these achievements and I'm still feeling a lack of fulfillment in a way. There's still something missing. And um, that's what I keep searching for. And that's why in a sense, although those have ended, I still feel like I haven't given up on the final, the big, the big, big dream, which was to be doing what I'm doing now within substance. Speaking of, you know, long game, I'm, I've been doing this now. I'm about almost 35. So it was 20 years of like, is that right? 15? Yeah. 20 years. 
of having a dream and it being actualized. And my, you know, my magazine's not out yet, but maybe uh, for a 35th birthday, it will come out. <laughs> so how would you describe the emotion that was your fuel source of proving? Mm. Because I think that there's a lot of people who are running towards their dreams that are fueled by this sense of wanting to prove something to themselves, to a bully in high school, to their parents, and then also a lot of people running on fear. I'll say that mine, I didn't really like the proving thing wasn't really that wasn't my um, the medicine for me. It was fear. Like my dad was really sick when I was launching my business. I really primarily launched it because I was like, I can't have a regular nine to five. Like I have to be with him. My sister was in law school. I'm like, somebody needs to help him. Like it mm -hmm. was like, I kind of felt like I didn't have a choice. And the entire time he was alive, really for those next probably four or five years, I was just completely running my business off of fear of like, oh my gosh, okay, if I make enough money, we could get him this wheelchair, we can get him into a better place, we could move him here, I can get him to California, like da da da. And I had no idea how corrosive that was as a fuel source of building a business, even if I liked the business and I loved the clients waking up every day, fueling something by the sense of proving or by the sense of, I guess it still is fear, right? Because it's fear that you're not going to prove it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd be curious to hear before I share what, how you noticed that that like showed up in your life. Like what did, you know, for example, I use the example of like, because I was like, trying not to quit or I kept saying yes to clients that were like showing me in the end that they were misaligned how did how did fear being your driving factor kind of influence your ability to run your business well it just it totally clouded my better judgment my intuition mm -hmm. because to me it's like I can walk in fear or I can walk in faith and love. Those are my options every single day. Like do I want to make this decision out of fear? And it's always like I can see like, okay, if I want it, there's a client, right? It's like the easiest example that you know in your gut is not aligned. Like we've both been there. You know, you can feel it. There's red flags immediately. It's the same thing with any relationship, a friendship, dating experience, a client relationship, like red flags are popping off, but the money's good. And like they have some like redeemable qualities and part of the project is really interesting. And so I just had to learn over time, like, okay, if I am taking this opportunity out of fear, the thoughts that are going on in my head are if I don't take this, something bad is going to happen. Mm -hmm. If I go with love, it's always it's a, it's more neutral. It's like if I take this or I don't, I'm good. Mm -hmm. If I take this or I don't, things are going to be OK. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lose out. I'm not going to miss out on anything. And if I say no, there's going to be a client right around the corner. I will be rewarded. And so it's just I'm grateful that I had that experience. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs like us end up being fueled by this. And then we decide, OK, like, what if we have an experiment? I did the same thing as you in 20, uh, I don't know, 2019, I want to say. I remember it was June. It was my birthday month. And I said, I'm going to play a little experiment with myself. And my metric was play for the month. And at that time, I was probably making like I don't know. It, my money was so inconsistent. Anywhere from like three grand to maybe 10K was my max. I don't honestly know when this year was. I think it was like 2019. And 
I was like, okay, I'm going to do this experiment. Like I was with my ex at the time. We would like go to Palm Springs. Like truly, we were, this is very funny. This is guys, this is the life of, of content creators and coaches in California. It's, it's insane, but it's also really beautiful. And we were going to Palm Springs. I was taking off Fridays. I like set wicked boundaries in Voxer and in my emails. I made like $22,000 that month. Wow. And it was more than double my income I'd ever made. And I remember looking at that and being like, can you just can this just be the metric now? And it's ebbed and flowed. But I think that what you what you shared of that metric of an emotion is life changing. So I'd actually mm -hmm. I'd love to hear about the, like that pressure being your fuel source and that experience. But also like tell me more about this metric, because I think if people really did set their metric of success as an emotion that they wanted to embody, I do think it is like one of the biggest keys that anyone could have in building a business. Yeah, absolutely. So the feeling of being driven by proving people wrong or proving that I could do it really, I think, goes way, way back in the sense of I probably have felt this in my childhood for like a long time, but never had the autonomy and independence to be able to go out and do that in the ways that I desired. For example, my brother was a really skilled athlete. Uh, athleticism was like very valued mm -hmm. and appreciated and celebrated in my in my family. And although I was, I could have been a very good athlete. I wasn't passionate about it, and so I quit at the age of eighteen. And my brother's kind of athletic career skyrocketed, and I still like left with nothing to kind of show for what my value could be. And this is my own perspective. My family is definitely not seeing this. This is just how I perceived it as a young one. And so I think I had this built up angst uh, and frustration that I wasn't able to that my family didn't see the value in, in what I had wanted to do and to pursue. I was never really like supported. And so that left me feeling like, well, I'm just going to do it on my own and I will prove them all wrong. And what ended up happening is when I started from a place like that, which is lacking support, you have, I had a lot harder time doing simple things like progressing and asking for help because I would that would be perceived as being like I was failing or mm. so I just remember feeling like I was doggy paddling my whole life to just kind of like keep my head above water and I think that's when I shut down ocean and I kind of did the exact opposite with substance instead of going and being like, I'm going to just do this on my own. I really switched up and I said, I already know what it's like to do things on my own. And it's really difficult and it's really hard and a lot harder than I needed it to be. This is also like a mid thirties woman wisdom <laughs> that, you know, you just have to get, like, I didn't have the wisdom that I do now that I didn't need it to be that hard, mm. but that's my lesson. Right. And so that's why I started the business by saying I need help because that was probably what I should have said a long time ago. And how did you say that, like specifically? Uh, I wrote a very long email, which is kind of my MO. I love 
writing. Writing is the way that it was my therapy when I was a child. I'd write my big emotions in my notebook and I wrote a very heartfelt email just kind of telling everybody what was going on and being really honest and vulnerable. And I think that that is my superpower in this sense is that I am a very open book with everything that I go through. And so a lot of things that are taboo to talk about, uh, those are the things that I talk about and lean into. I like it. It has this like edge to it that either like rubs you the right way or the wrong way, but that's what you get. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) I'm either going to like rattle the boat or yeah, not. I don't know. I was kind of trying to come up with something quirky there. Or sink Um, it. No. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I wrote a pretty vulnerable email letting people know that my mental health was suffering, my physical health was suffering, and uh, that I was at the lowest of my low and that I needed needed help and I needed I needed co-creators to help me bring this vision to life because substance does really feel like a very big project that I'm not meant to do on my own so mm. that's yeah that what was a gift. you're yeah. literally giving that to yourself like you're like yeah. this is my biggest this has been my biggest one of my biggest challenges is not asking for help. And so you have picked something by choice, by design, that requires a community to actually make it happen. Mm -hmm. Like you're literally just picking your own medicine that you need Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. almost like forcing yourself to embody the person that that says like, I need help for my dream to exist. And that Mm -hmm. is like, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's what I realized what was really cool is that every woman that reached out to me and a lot of the women I had never even talked to before, or they never attended any of my workshops or anything like that. They were all new people in my world. They, I kept asking them like, Oh, what inspired you to reach out? And they had a vision and a desire to make a greater impact on the world. For example, they might have been like a writer, but she's not do she's not making the impact that she wants or an Akashic Records reader isn't getting like doing enough sessions as she wants. So it was like this outcrying like call of people that wanted to make a greater impact on the world and that's kind of like what substance is. It's this communal communal we call it like an oasis for our feminine visionaries and creatives. But yeah, they're all like coming together and it's, I, you know, orchestrate and facilitate, but it is all because they're all, the women are there with me in it, participating Mm. and being in it and telling me what they want and they need. And yeah. I wonder if your 15 year old self, who is like very particularly passionate about print magazines in any way, shape or form, knew that that passion and that excitement was going to be part of the healing that you needed in your adulthood? I definitely would say I don't think I knew. I don't think I had any idea of how it would happen. I figured it would have, I would have just been like a editor-in-chief for a magazine but to have created my own business and to create my own magazine that is like a whole new thing I would have never seen coming. But it kind of makes sense because the reason why I wanted to make a magazine back in the day was because I didn't like anything that was out there. So 
I just didn't expect that. I was never around any entrepreneurs. I didn't even like know what that would be like. So yeah, it's been a very, very fun, challenging journey. <laughs> yeah. I think like, because to me, I'm like, oh, well, it, it makes so much sense. Like, because we all have these, like for you, it's a, it's a magazine, right? That like, that like lights you up. Like for me, it's this podcast. We all have these like very particular passions and desires. Like for some people, it's like, graphic design or, you know, a specific course or their art or whatever it is. And I hear a lot of women say, and I don't know if you've ever maybe even said this about the magazine, like, oh, it's kind of like, it's like this weird thing I want to do. Like, it's a little bit weird. Like, it's kind of random. Like, those are my buzzwords always where I'm like, that's your intuition. Mm -hmm. It's just because it's not the norm that you're calling it weird and you're labeling it like different or you're saying it's going to be really hard or whatever it is. But I always think that the things that we pick are the things that we need to have some healing occur in us. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's like just so beautiful to think about your 15-year-old self just being interested in like having this vision, having no idea that it would impact you in this way. And so I just think if anybody's listening to this, that you have this like very particular idea, like for me, the next thing I want to do is like create candles. I'll just name it on the podcast, like with no big, you know, I'm not trying to start this big candle company or anything. I just, I think like long tapered candles are so beautiful. And I know that I owe it to myself to find out what's the wisdom in this. Like what healing do I need? Like what parts of my personality need to become expressed through this process mm. of candle making? Mm. And so I'm just curious about, I, I want everybody listening to this to get curious about like your little weird random things that you're interested in. Like there is profound lessons and profound mm -hmm. wisdom and profound parts within you that are looking to be expressed through this medium. So like you owe it to yourself to do it. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of the phrase or this quote that we hear all the time, but I write, I wrote it down today and it's like this remembrance of who we are, that these things that come innately easy to us on the outside seem like, oh, I could never do that. It'd be too easy. Um, those are usually the things that when we lean into, it's kind of where the doors start to open up because mm -hmm. I believe we're all born with certain gifts and those gifts are easy for you for a reason because you're meant to pursue them and there some things are really challenging for other people. And mm. it's by leaning into those gifts, it's where we can really find a lot more peace, I believe, and a lot more excitement and joy. Uh, yeah. So just figuring out what those elements that come really easily to you are and moving towards some one little step at a time is yeah. kind of my secret sauce. It sounds like easy and fun. Mm -hmm. Like if you like you it clearly thought this experience was fun and you made it so fun. I mean, I remember watching you go to Byron and being like, she is doing this. Like mm -hmm. she is getting her creativity. She's she's putting the team together. She's getting the mood board. She's getting the photos like watching that whole process was incredible. And it clearly was a blast for you. And I think sometimes people think it needs to be harder than it is. Like you really can build something that is also financially successful from a place of it just also being a really good time. And so mm -hmm. the financial piece, actually, let's talk about that because mm -hmm. you had said that, you know, a big draw for you to stay with Ocean and doing that work was, of course, financial. And mm -hmm. so 
like how does a print magazine even make money? Like because it's also digital, right? And so I imagine like there's ads and there's people who want to pay to be on it. But for people who are like, what? Like, what is that? Are you even thinking about that? Are you supplementing your income while you're building this? Like, tell me about this in between time before it's like a big, big thing. And it's still in this little baby, like, you know, newborn state. Yeah. So obviously we're all familiar with traditional magazines and the way that they've been generating revenue for as long as we've seen print. And a lot of my innovation and desires with Substance Magazine is to do things very, very differently. And I'm still getting clear about what that means. But we, my whole pain point of what I didn't like within traditional magazines is that and you'll also hear it on podcasts you'll hear it everywhere like I was just listening to a podcast and like Walmart he's like a wellness guru and he's talking about how you can go buy prescriptions at Walmart and like so there's a huge lack of integrity with advertisers and income with content Hmm. and platforms and I it's like I can see it and I can feel it and I can sense it uh, with everything that I consume. And that's why I created Substance was because I don't want there to be any separation between the finances and the message and the ethos and the values. And I'm not a thousand percent sure quite yet on how we're going to do that. But the plan is I have 17 ad spaces in Substance Magazine. It's a 200 page magazine. I'm starting to evolve my vision as it being like more of a coffee table volume type of book that I'm creating. And so essentially the advertising space will become partners with bigger activations. So they're, yes, paying for a half page ad in Substance, but it is a portion of everything that they're doing. So they're also paying for podcast spaces. They're paying to be an advertiser for a conference that I want to have. So it's like mm. these very long-term, multi-platform, exponential experiences with the brand. It's There is no separation between the advertisers and the content within Substance. Mm. And I want to revolutionize that experience. So that's like a little bit of insight into what my brain is thinking. But I have to get some other components of the business dialed before I can dial that vision in. And so where my focus and has been is building my online community. So we have like a community space where people can pay X amount to have kind of weekly circles and social events. It's That is also evolving. Mm-hmm. We have coaching programs. So instead of doing one-on-one sessions, I'm now doing coaching components. So sorry, not one-on-one custom projects. We're now moving into coaching and mentorships. And so, uh, and then some custom projects, probably one or two a year to just kind of, you know, travel and, but I'm really interested in working with clients in Europe now. I feel like the LA market, I've been there, done that, and I'm ready to move over to Europe. So that's why I invested last year in getting the Soho House membership because I knew that I, the global membership, because I knew that I wanted to set myself up for success to be able to travel over to Europe Mm. and help all of the wellness, the very early stages of the wellness businesses out there uh, grow 
and yeah. One thing that you're so good at doing is claiming something before it is. <laughs> like it's totally a natural gift. And I think I think a lot about fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And I have like a lot of mixed emotions about it because like any of those, what are they called? Like these one-liners that people mm-hmm. just throw out on Instagram. It just lacks nuance because there's so many different ways that you can look at it. But for me, it's like embody it until you are it, like embody it until you become it. Like that's the process Mm -hmm. is like claiming that you are something, not that you can do something that you can't do. And you're putting yourself in a situation where now you have to like, like I did when I told people I could build websites. And then like (laughs) when I first started a marketing agency and then had to figure out how to do it in like a night, I really wouldn't recommend doing that everybody. But that that's totally different than saying like I'm the editor in chief of a magazine that you are creating, even if you've done nothing besides say that you're an editor in chief of a magazine. It's like the same thing as Soho's membership. You're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to have clients in Europe because that's where I want to travel and that's where I want to get paid to travel to. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to invest multiple thousands of dollars so that I have offices in these spaces to hold these clients and to meet these future clients. Like that's a, that's, it's so simple, but so many people don't do it because they think that they need to have the clients or they need to have the magazine to be taken seriously. Yeah. There's a concept called the be, do, have, and I don't know the ins and outs of it, but you can Google it and learn more. And there's also like a whole psychology framework around this concept that it's kind of relating to that question you had about the metric of success and that feeling is that you're right a lot of the times it's the have do be mentality that once I have xyz thing then I'll do this and then I will be that Mm. and the be do have flips it on its side and it says I'm going to be that now and by me feeling that way now I'm going to act a certain way and by acting a certain way I have a certain thing or the the thing comes into my life Mm -hmm. and that's where the metric of success comes in especially done in, in a conscious way is we understand what the feeling that we want to be in a year from now for 2024, my metric of success is going to be peace. So I'm going to start figuring out how do I have, what are the components in my life that bring me peace? For example, maybe it's leasing a new car so that I don't have to worry about my engine light coming on all the time. You know, it's like these small, it's these things that have bigger ripple effects. Mm -hmm. So we start with the feeling and then what are we going to do that will get us into alignment with feeling that way? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's that's been my approach for the past couple of years. Like I made up this exercise in November of 2021 and I've been doing it every year since. So that's really when things started to shift and really put me on the path that I'm on now, which is, to be honest, a path that feels very right. Like I feel like a lot of things have been mm, a little bit misaligned, like I'm kind of there, but kind of not. And there's nothing about where I'm at now that doesn't feel like all of the kind of components are are clicked in properly, mm. properly. You know, like I'm in the right space. I'm doing the right work. And yeah, I, I guess I just had an early dream and I never really have given up on it. So, I mean, that's the key. And what you just shared is 
so simple, but so amazing. It's like, if you know that you want to have a certain amount of income, then get connect with the feeling of what that would bring you. For some mm-hmm. people, it's total peace and security, mm-hmm. right? For me at a certain point, it was play. Like mm-hmm. it was like, well, if I had all this income, I would play. I'd be so creative. I'd travel more. And then it's like, okay, do a little bit of that. Like get the other things in your life. Like you said, if your metric is peace, handle the car situation, handle the other things in your life. It's not always just about business. Like connect with the feeling first and then you will eventually have the result. It's like we always think that we need to have it in order to grant ourselves the permission to live a peaceful or playful life when really we can do that with Mm -hmm. way less resources than we think that or way less followers or anything than we think that we need. I mean, we're also powerful creators and whether you're consciously creating or unconsciously creating, they're both happening. And so we might as well try to put some focus and attention as to what those components look like. Or you'll just kind of wake up one day and be like, huh, how did I get here? And, you know, everybody has their own path and journey, which is really beautiful in a lot of different ways and I think that's what I'm wanting to do within substance is to really like create a space where women can feel just okay with where they're at too that I think for as I shared like I always felt like I was never in like I wasn't doing enough or I wasn't good enough or all these kinds of things Um, and so a huge component of substance why we consider it to be an oasis is because the first step of being able to create different changes in your life or different things is you have to feel like there's a sense of safety and security with where you are right here. It's like a very basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I have a BA in psychology, so I like love understanding how to make someone feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. And in order to change, in order to like want something different, there's going to be things that are going to need to leave your life. So you need to like really get comfortable with being okay with where you are knowing that you want things to change but that that acceptance of like okay like this is where we're at right now is a big first step yeah and how can we make it as comfortable for us as possible and build from that place yeah so I would love to talk a little bit about the transition from being a service-based business owner and really getting paid to produce something for someone and into the transition of people are paying you for your vision, they're paying you for your energy, they're paying you for your ability to cultivate a community. So talk to me about like what that transition has been like for you. Okay, that's a great question. I have, wow, there's a lot there. And I think that there's a lot there because so much of my old position and my old role of was taking like the shadow artist, kind of like the background person and watching all of my clients be seen and be valued. And at the end of the day, I was helping them put their things out into the world. And there's only so much of that that I got like real deep satisfaction from at the end of the day because it wasn't ultimately like maybe didn't agree a thousand percent with what they were talking about or it wasn't like my vision and so yours yeah it wasn't it wasn't mine and I had to just see this awesome thing be built and brought up and other people which I imagine you too and I I definitely had this experience so I'm curious if you did 
every single time I help someone build a course or their business or their their sales pages or whatever, naturally, my essence was in there. Mm-hmm. Did you find that you were also putting your like your totally. your heart and your soul, I imagine, in there? Yeah, absolutely. And that was really challenging because especially when, yeah, it is like my soul and heart was was in these things and yeah, to just see it be in someone else's hands was was like a diff- very different type of experience. How was that for you? I definitely can own that I needed to hide behind my client's success before I was ready to feel my own. And there's this another one of those. What are they? Tripes? Is that what it's called? What's the word that I'm looking for where it's like these one liners that people are putting out? I don't know what the word is called. Somebody won't tell me. But like they people are always they always say the they you can only like take your clients as far as you've gone yourself. That's not true. Like my clients were making $50,000 months when I was making five mm-hmm. based off of my strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're of course they were the ones, you know, with the ideas and but also like a lot of times, like they were my ideas too, that I kind of was like, this would be beautiful for you to do or try this or do this. And so it was, it was like sometimes really, really hard to be, you know, putting so much of my soul into something and then realizing that I like, not that I didn't, it wasn't the credibility for me that I like needed my name on something. It wasn't like that. It was just like this feeling of, Sam, why are you not doing this for yourself? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you taking all of your clients and their dreams and strangers that you meet dreams more seriously than you're taking your own? Mm -hmm. And I had to get to a point of years of that compiling before I said, like, I am going to pay to play. Like, all of these people are paying me to play a big game. And I really wasn't doing that. And it's not always necessarily a coach. Like, for me, that's what what clients came to me for. And I still have coaching clients, too. So I do still do some of this. But I'm not actually doing the do and handing them a product. But for me, it came to like investing in the podcast and like getting this amazing studio space and spending hundreds of dollars on myself because I believe in myself and I believe in the people and the power of what you have to say right here. And so the experience, I think, for me, unfortunately, unfortunately, just took years of getting to a point where last January I wrote in my journal, I am so fucking sick of your shit. Like, I am so done with you not prioritizing yourself and taking yourself as seriously as you take everyone else. Mm -hmm. So I had to get like real mad about it. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. And how is it going for you? It's going so good. (laughs) Like, listen, it's it wasn't like I decided to put myself priority in like, you know, all the money came in in the world and all of that. Like it's not it wasn't like a, a light bulb, but it's what you're saying. It's like, I finally feel like I am in alignment mm-hmm. and I feel this sense of self-honoring. And I I feel like you brought up the artist. I know we both love the artist way and we do our morning pages and all the things. I feel like owning my artist has and owning that, like I am a creative. 
that's who I am. That's my, like, it's one of my top three values is creativity. And for so long, I played this game of myself of, well, I could like launch the podcast, which is really like creative because podcasts like, you know, to make money on it usually takes years. So like, I really wanted to do it as a creative outlet more than anything. And playing this game myself, well, I can launch a podcast or I could make time for my collages or I can make time for this after I reach a certain income goal. And now I'm just at the place where I would much rather reach these big income goals later in my life to have more time now because time and money really is the same like it, it truly is we exchange it all the time so I'm like well wait why am I waiting for the money to give me the time I could give myself the time now to work on these projects mm -hmm. and then make the money in a little bit or mm -hmm. both at the same time because I do believe that they eventually will fuse and already have started to because clients have also come through the podcast so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of where where That's I'm at beautiful. with it. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> you too. Awesome. I can feel that peace emanating from you. Thank you. Yeah, it's um yeah, tell me about your experience. Like were you did you have to be a nasty little bitch to yourself or <laughs> or did you just get terribly ill and that did it? <laughs> terribly ill. Yeah, that unfortunately. Was um great. which to a certain point, you know, even when I did get really ill, it could have oh. been like sink or swim too like I could have just given up um, because it would probably been a lot easier to just like been like I'm just gonna move home I'm done tapped out like I did you entertain those thoughts um that was option b yeah uh option a was throwing the last bit of savings the bat the last little of, of everything mm -hmm. into this and it's been a very humbling um, experience because my, my metric of success for the year of 2023 was love and I wrote like love of body, self, like all these metric, like all these little like elements of where I really wanted to focus on. And body was the first one. And I, I find that to be so interesting because my, my illness is what really like made me realize that I needed to take care of myself in ways that I hadn't before. And so because I've focused so much of my time, energy and resources on getting my body to the place where I could work again, mm. I am unwilling to allow myself to my body to get in an out of aligned place for anything else. Mm. Like my sleep is important. My exercise is important. My walking is important. My health, nutrition, like all of that is like way more important than anything. And it's been a really interesting experience because of all of my years in the past, it's been like money, clients, business over everything. But when your health is so bad, you have to reprioritize your focus on things. And so my focus this year has been my health. And as a result of that, I took a lot of lot less clients this year and I've needed to rely on my family to help me financially, which has been a really interesting and humbling experience. And yeah, because I remember I like, you know, typed a message to my mom like as in like completely teary eyed and be like, I'm like have so little money to my name. Like I don't even I can't pay any bills. I can't even buy groceries like I'm. I'm so low. And I was like, I just feel like such a failure. And she just called me immediately and like being unable to like even breathe from how like bad I felt to have to put her in this position where she has to help me. It was like 
like I should have been asking for financial help when I launched my business in 2016. Yeah, like that's how much like drive I had that no matter what, I would figure out how to pay the bills. But like I when your illness is so bad, like you you can't you can't I, I couldn't pretend that I didn't have a huge health problem. So my health like completely was in the way of being able to work and to have a clear brain. And so I take all of that for I don't take any of that for granted now to be able to have a clear mind, to be able to put an email together, to be able to provide a good service, you know, to be good at what I do. So, yeah, it's been a very humbling experience, to say the least. How do you feel like it's just it's like our body, right? Our health. My one of my Reiki teachers, Laura, she always says, like, if you're making a manifestation list or anything, always at the top, right in good health. Like mm-hmm. my health is great. My health is my health is mm-hmm. is the best because if you don't have that, you literally don't have anything, right? Yeah. You yeah. can't do anything. You can't enjoy anything. And so it's interesting. We were talking about the transition from service to not provide, not like having such a transactional relationship and building your money more like community gathering and like you're putting your your art out there and your vision mm-hmm. and what came up for you was body. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this direct experience with when you prioritize your body, for you, it's seeming like you're also just making decisions on the business front that are just feeling the most supportive for Mm -hmm. your body and the least taxing on your body. Yes, yes, correct. And with that is like a lot of, um, I, I need to be the, get back into what I do best, which is writing and to be creating and to be working on my own projects. So ever since I stopped working with my nutritionist from all my health things at the end of October, I said, okay, November 1, we're going to start building this business. And that was 10 days ago. And it's, yeah, the offerings and services and the things that I'm doing within the business now are built from what is the most sustainable and healthy Mm -hmm. and expressive. And I've really needed to go through this experience where I depleted all my funds, all my savings and all the things to be able to get to the point where I have to intrinsically value my creativity Mm. and that if I don't value that, no one else would Mm. essentially. Because to be quite honest, I had a lot of money in my savings. That's why I was able to invest in paying a brand designer to brand team to build out my branding like which looks so good thank you so good thank you i was on it this morning i'm like this is so amazing thank you yeah they did an amazing job they killed it and um but i be for some reason i don't know why because i had all that money in the bank i would just be like oh it's free like no one needs to buy the magazine i'll just give it to you mm-hmm. and now that it's like i needed to learn the lesson of not having any money to be able to value my work and value my creativity same <laughs> so <laughs> same i think when you have that in your bank account i'm like i always say to people and clients i'm like get it out of your bank account because you got to pretend like it doesn't exist because yeah. you will just give give things yeah. away but i also think that also speaks to the transition between like the exchange of a service for money to something a little bit different Mm -hmm. because like I think 
it's the artist wound. It's like that is such a creative piece of work for you. It's not a strategy. You're not promising somebody that they're going to blow up on Instagram or they're going to have their course nice and done. Mm -hmm. You don't know what they're going to get from a magazine. Mm -hmm. They could get a poem from it. They could mm -hmm. just get a nice night in, a beautiful addition to their morning or like the next multi-million dollar idea. But it's like it is I do find it to be so much harder to charge when you are creating something that is so creative and so artistic. Yeah. And it sounds like your body, which like, you know, I don't know if you see it as that gift yet, but your body being so sensitive to when you are not creating, at least for me, like I, I find it to be such a, a gift now because it's like it speaks up like you're not mm -hmm. doing it. So I'm going to make your back hurt so that you pay mm -hmm. attention and slow down enough to pick up a pen right. and write for an hour. Right. Right. Exactly. No, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have gone through this experience because to be honest, I wouldn't have gotten to the point where I would have valued my, my, my creative work. And, and now it's, I know the value of it. And I, and I needed that embodied knowing. Mm. I also just want to say thank you for saying that at what you were 34, 35, you asked your family for help after like having made a ton of money. And I have worked with so many people who have like literally made millions of dollars who the same thing, like managing finances is difficult. <laughs> same thing with me, like have made money, blown through all of it. And like my plan B is always like waitress. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just be the I'll just be waitress. I really like that. It's quick money. But my like actual plan B is always like sales gigs. Like I'll just like find a program that I love. I'm like, do you need sales? And like till this day I pick them up if I'm like, okay, like I want enough time for these creative projects, but I don't want the delivery of like holding a coaching container or something. I'll mm -hmm. just pick up sales gigs mm -hmm. like that's my kind of asking for asking family for money mm -hmm. and anybody who's listening to this like whatever you got to do like there's no shame in it like because you're speaking it there's no shame in it like no one's judging you I'm doing it still like we're all like to rely fully on a dream of a business before it really is real and it's it's still that baby. Like, don't put pressure on your babies. Like, allow them to grow and nurture them with other streams of income by asking for help, by picking up jobs that you may not 100% feel like are in alignment, but are going to keep this baby alive and keep you alive and like financially okay. So, like, really thank you because it gives me even more encouragement to say, like, I don't always 100% of the time, I'm not always making money exactly how I want to still yeah. after seven years of growing a business. And that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And it's, it's, you know, although we're like conscious entrepreneurs and we're trying to do everything with an integrity and all this kind of stuff, like I don't, know of any business that's not doing things it's, it's still work at the end of the day right and a lot of videographers and cinematographers that I know they have this thing called like the what is it? it's like this um little phrase that they say for reels or for meals meaning it's a project that is going to be for their portfolio and something that is like creatively fulfilling for them or it's a project that is paying the bills and is keeping things I afloat. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Reels or meals. <laughs> My corny ass is going to be saying that every time. Like, Take it. This is for reels, guys. This one's for meals. This one's for reels and the meals. <laughs> I love that. It's true. I mean, at the end of the day, we're 
creating businesses and yes, if like all of the elements are for the reels, awesome. But for a lot of us, that's just not where we're at. And, you know, hopefully one day, but yeah, I do think, I think just normalizing that is important. Um, I also find it really challenging and why I'm so open about every component of my entrepreneurial journey is because I feel like there are so many people that don't talk about these things. And so for the kind of eager, curious, ambitious women out there that are like, how do they even do this? They're like unable to find the information of like how to actually do it in the right way, which is really what all substance is about is like, okay, you can come here to like really learn the truth of like building a life and business. And then like not, if we don't talk about these things and these like little side things that we do or asking for help or just whatever it is, then we also have like slew of people quitting jobs, putting Mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of pressure on themselves to turn this baby business into this like lucrative cash money machine Mm -hmm. and getting so sick, which we both have been there. Mm -hmm. Like it's the, it is the path eventually. And I think women are more sensitive to it and it comes sooner just because of like hormones and everything. Like if you are going to put that amount of pressure, just understand that it's likely going to have a toll. And I pray that it's not your health because that's such a hard lesson to learn. And it's, it's pretty debilitating and like, it's going to come out. There's always a cost to that of, of running on pressure Mm -hmm. and you don't always have to quit the job right away. You don't always have to like drain your savings to like actually build something. So, and and again, some people like need to do that and that's fine. So like, you know, check in with the intuition. Um, (laughs) but yeah. So last question is, is there anywhere in your life where you still feel like, Oh my gosh, this is just way too much. Like I'm just way too much in this area Mm. or this dream is just too much. And if so, like, how are you dealing? Mm. Right now today, I would say that everything feels like it's, it's handled, but I will say that this year has been a lot. Uh, what has been too much has been taking, balancing my hormones, getting my mental health in a stable place, as well as navigating finances, debt, mm. credit card, bills, loans, mm. money, finance. That's been my big, big, big too much component of my life this year. What was your guiding light through it? Honestly, there was a woman that I found on TikTok. Her name is Paige Pritchard, and she actually is going to be on the Women of Substance Substance podcast because I feel like she spoke directly to my soul when I saw this TikTok video. And she, she has an account that talks about how to help women overspend and be more mindful with their spending. And she said something on a webinar that she gave that I signed up for. And she said something along the lines of the money that you've used that has maybe like you have credit cards or debt or like you need to pay back a loan. Like all of that money was you needed to use that money to like take care of yourself and to pay you know, for food and for all these things that we need to live. And it was a really big like turning point to switch my perspective on 
my debt and my credit card debt in particular was because I had never been in debt before, but I also had never been in such a bad mental and physical space. So as much as I felt shame for getting myself there, it was all that I could lean on and use as a way of like keeping myself and my life afloat during that time. So it helped me shift my perspective that I needed it for very particular reasons. Mm. And it's not just this like thing that's terrible about me. Yeah. Like I'm not like a bad person because I have debt. And so she and her content and the things that she talked about started to really like shift my relationship with it. And now like I am doing a lot of like hard things like calling up Chase's credit card and asking for a better interest rate and like going into Chase and asking them for to, you know, waive the insufficient fund fees, you know, all the stuff that I was avoiding. So mm. when you avoid things, it's when things really start to really balloon up and really feel like out of control, that like too much feeling like, oh my God, I can't even. And that was the majority of how this year felt for me as it relates to finance and debt. And so now I'm slowly kind of like itching my way through it and dealing with it head on. And that feels like much more manageable, even though I have a lot of like financial debt to pay back, but at least I have it covered and acknowledged and it's not hiding in the shadows anymore of my life. Yeah. And it sounds like just the full circle moment of depression, you started off as repression and like when something is repressed, you don't want to look at it. Yeah. You don't even want to give it any light, any love, any attention. And it sounds like in this area of life and in all areas of your life right now, you're choosing like two feet in. I'm going to look. I'm going to love on all of this. Mm-hmm. And like maybe yeah. what it is. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited for you. Thank How can you. people connect with you? Um, you can go to at Substance Platform on Instagram and TikTok, I think, is our account there, as well as wearesubstance.co. Amazing. Amanda, thank you so much. Thank I'm you. so happy for you celebrating all your success thank and you. just can't wait to keep seeing it grow. Thank you. And celebrating you. Yay. Yeah. <laughs>